0: Charlotte, Rock Hill, Gastonia, surrounding areas. Welcome back to the latest installment of Under Construction. You got the two bar, two guys sitting at the bar. Maybe not, uh, maybe not literally, but figuratively. You got myself, the angry black fan, Jamal Darby, along with Mister Kaza Sose. Mister Sose, what's going on today, brother?
1: Man, it's just uh, another another Sunday in Pantherland.
0: Another Sunday in Pantherland. Um, I, I believe, I think Joey Slice missed field goal. Is kind of um a symbol of how the Panther season is going to go.
1: Yeah, uh, we, we we talked about on the show last week. Does about you know last season? You know, we started four and two. We were like, man, maybe this team ain't so bad. And then we just drove off the cliff. And we yeah. said, well. That might happen this season, but it feels different. And it still does feel different. Uh, I think the Panthers are going to – we're going to lose – we're about to lose a lot of games. But um, I think the difference is that last season we would have got blown out by the Saints. There's no way we would have lost by just three points to the Saints. And whereas, you know, this week um, the Panthers had a lot of chances to win – the game that was a game that they could have won. I'm not gonna say they should have won it, but they that's a, a very winnable game. So you know, surprisingly against against the Saints. So.
0: so let's get into the statistics, man. Teddy Bridgewater, 23 for 28, 254 yards, 9.1 average, two touchdowns, a passer rating of 128.3. But you know what the most important stat is that I looked at, Mr. Kaza. One sack for eight yards? One sack for eight yards. And <laughs> what a time to take the sack, man. Like, out of all the times to take a sack, we take a sack on a critical third down while we were driving down the field. Mike Davis, I, I don't – look, man, I don't know if I can fault the guy for trying to keep Davenport out the backfield. I don't know why he was putting that position in the first place. Let's start there, Casa. What, what do you think about that play in particular?
1: You know, I'm going to – Put this loss squarely on the, the coaching staff. They got out I coached.
0: I, I agree. I um, agree.
1: I saw way too many. We talk about this every week. Three guys rushing the passer, eight in coverage. Every week we talk about it. And it's the that's
0: same thing. What
1: comes out of it. Uh, Alvin Camaro got a key, key third down in the third quarter when the Panthers only rushed three, and he comes out of the backfield. He's in a wide open zone, one on one coverage with I think it might have been Eli Apple. I'm, I'm not sure, but whatever the case, he ends up scampering 15 yards for a touchdown. Right. So um, that was just one of the, the many things that I said we, we didn't. It, you know, we didn't manage the timeouts properly. You know, that's something rookie uh, rookie mistake by Matt Rule, if you want to call it that. But at the end of the game, we had. You know, we were down to one timeout. It's it's a moot point. uh, Yeah, at that point, and
0: and and let me let me cut you off real quick. And one of those lost timeouts was on a really bad challenge. Really, anybody with two eyes could see Kamara got that first down, man.
1: I I understand that was close, and I felt like hmm, maybe he didn't get it, but. You know, as we all know, there has to be evidence to overturn, and there was no way that the league was. There over. was no
0: way to overturn it, right? Yeah,
1: New York was not going to overturn that that call on the field. If the refs had called it short, maybe, uh, but yeah, I I just felt like the Panther staff just got. Out, I mean, Sean Payton, you know, he's one of the great. He's going to be considered one of the greatest NFL coaches ever, despite only winning one Super Bowl. But uh, he's going to be, you know thought of as one of the greatest coaches ever, and I think it was just too much for for Matt Rule and his staff uh, today. Um, so, oh, by the way, Terry Thomas, I love this Purple Rain shirt too. My, my good friend Thomas Luria sent it to me because uh, he was thinking about me. So, it was just purple pain today, though. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it was good. Uh, also, one, one last thing. Uh, I felt like on the plate Bridgewater got sacked on, you got to know the heat's coming. Right. There's got to be a hot read. There's, there there has to be something. There was nowhere for Teddy to go with the ball, honestly, and the heat got there so fast. You have to expect that in that situation, that down in distance, that's going to happen. Every NFL team is going to blitz <laughs> in that situation, except the Carolina Panthers, go figure. We would have dropped eight in coverage.
0: <laughs> we would have dropped nine in coverage. Yeah, right.
1: Right. <laughs> That's just another thing. I felt like the coach staff wasn't prepared. Like, hey, all right, guys, the, the heat's coming because the, the Saints know they get a sack, the game's over. They knock us out of field goal range, and that's exactly
0: what happened. So, you know, one, I'm glad you, you're mentioning this, man, because I want to segue into what I want to talk about first, man. There was one stat that I have not uh, really mentioned yet, and that's Drew Brees. 29 for 36, 287, uh, took one sack, has a passer rating of 118.4. Kaza I, I, you know, we don't have a counter on this show per se. We we don't keep track of how many times we say something. But how many times do you think that I have said on this show? I am sick and tired of the Panthers bending and and not breaking defense. But today, there was a lot of bending, and it sure was a lot of breaking today, and mainly a lot of breaking tackles from the Saints' uh, uh, skill players today. I, I look, man. I let me preface my next statement by saying this. We knew coming into this season we were a very young, inexperienced defense. We knew that coming into the season. But there are just some things, man. Like, I'm obviously not a coach. I'm not close to these players. I know this. But there are just some things that I deem that are still unacceptable, man. You got the Saints on the third and 14, and, and you're missing tackles because you're shoulder tackling. Trey Boston, who was supposed to know this stuff, who is a veteran on this defense? Who is supposed to be the leader had another really bad day and contributed a lot to these bad plays. Man, it's one thing when the young guys are doing it, but when your main guy and your and, and and supposedly leader is doing it, then that's another thing, man. And it's unacceptable, man. I you yeah, share well, the same thoughts so, or uh,
1: no? There, there was a a lack of execution on on the defense today, particularly when it comes to tackling and. Uh, I, I understand, like I said, young defense. We are the youngest defense in the NFL. So there's going to be some growing pains. But it, part of the coaching staff's job is to you you got a game plan for what you got. If you know that your guys aren't good at tackling in space, which we know this by now, and certainly the coaching staff would have known this long before we defended right. it, then you make your scheme account for that. And I feel like the Panthers – have not done that
0: and, and this is to your point man it's interesting that our, our that our dbs are backing up eight to ten yards off a receiver giving them what space yeah.
1: Which, <laughs> i understand okay sometimes you feel like okay if a db doesn't have the quickness or agility to keep up with a receiver and the saints have very fast receivers then you want to give them the cushion the problem is that Drew Brees and Sean Payton are going to take whatever you You give them. And they're going to keep taking it. The the thing with Ben don't break against the Saints is it never works because you'll just be bent like this the whole game. It
0: it hasn't worked for like five or six straight seasons, (laughs) man.
1: It's not going to (laughs) work. If you give the receivers a four-yard cushion, the Saints are going to take that every time. And if you look at the Saints today, they didn't really have a whole lot of big, big passing plays. Right. I mean, the Panthers had the biggest passing play of the game. It, right. it was typical death by a thousand paper cuts with the Saints. Screen passes, uh, you know, little dump offs. Uh, Alvin Kamara just, you know, just had a field day. Uh, one of our fans in the comments just said a healthy McCaffrey would have won this game for us. Maybe. I, I think um, our running game would have been much better. We didn't see a whole lot of Mike Davis today. It's almost like the Saints yeah. said, okay. We're gonna show let's, you that. Let's game, take him away. Yeah, he's not elite, and we'll we'll take our t- chances with Teddy Bridgewater, and um, and it worked. It almost worked in our favor, but it, and to that, um, I I really can't say anything bad this week about Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore.
0: Yeah, Great no doubt,
1: guys, especially Curtis Samuel. I thought the offense actually played pretty well, uh, especially once they got fired up, but. The defense just has a lot to learn.
0: I, I got to give a shout out to Greg Little man because Greg Greg Little has definitely taken his lumps during this season. But uh, when Russell O'Conn went down, and, and Greg Little entered the game, man, I mean, he came off the bench, you know, cold, not taking any snaps, man. But if you look at how he contained that the left side of the line, man, he, I, I got to give him props for that, man. Yeah, but
1: back. I, go the ahead. Whole line did, oh, no, the O line did great today. I I feel like the offense as a whole, except for the running game. Yeah, um, you know, did pretty well.
0: But back to this defense, man. I, 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 I promise we we're trying not to be too long winded about this, but man, I it's so frustrating. <laughs> I can't imagine what would have happened, what uh, what uh, how different the outcome or how much worse the outcome would have been if they would had Michael Thomas playing today. There were some guys I've never heard of, and, and listen, Drew Brees. I, I said it last week he may not be what he's been in the past, but he is still Drew Brees. He, he is still a very cerebral quarterback, and he continues to make no-name guys, so to speak. <laughs> uh, uh, he, he continues to 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 to, to earn them monies, and he did that today. Do you think it would have been worse if if Michael Thomas is out there today? Uh, maybe. I mean, Drew Brees. I
1: I feel like and I I hate to say this because I despise the Saints, but he's the best passer of the football, I think, in NFL history. When when you talk about throwing a football and putting it on the numbers, now he doesn't have a a, a real prolific deep game. That's probably the only flaw in Drew Brees. He doesn't have like a cannon arm. But when it comes to making – he puts the ball exactly where it needs to be. Some of the catches – these guys I never heard of were making – they're able to make because the ball was exactly where it needed to be. The, uh Catch their tight end made uh, to score their first touchdown of the game. Jared Cook, yeah. Yeah, perfectly thrown ball, perfectly thrown ball, and it was a tough, tough catch for Jared Cook to make because he had our DB Drake all over him, but the ball was exactly where –
0: which in, in which Boston should have been called for a pass interference, but he we'll, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he, he face guarded Cook the whole time yeah. and still got burnt. But, but that
1: yeah, a testament to you know to how good uh, Drew Brees is. So I'm not sure if Michael Thomas if, if it would have been like that that much worse. I think we might have seen uh more targets to him rather than them leaning heavily on Alvin Kamara during the game, like you know, like they did.
0: So I'm pretty sure you're you you know you're expecting this question and, and expecting me to bring this up, man. But these the, the New Orleans Saints, man, they were 12 for 14 on third down conversions, man. There is no way any NFL team is gonna win a game if you're giving up third downs like that, man.
1: See my face. I'm <laughs> keeping track of the stats. There was a one of the Facebook sports groups made a poll. What was the likelihood that we would see the Saints punter in the second half? And we didn't, by the way. Uh, We didn't. Yeah, he didn't come out at all. To me, though, that's coaching. Because third down is really where the chess match is. Because depending on the down and or the distance and the situation, it comes down to who's going to pick the best play. Right. Clearly,
0: we picked The worst. The wrong plays.
1: Every time. Now I understand that there were some times where we might have missed a tackle and you're going to get that. But 12 times? I really believe that the Panthers missed 12 tackles or in the wrong position 12 times. A lot of that was just we picked the wrong play. The Saints picked the correct play, play. And that's that, that That's just, I mean, you, you can't do that. Not against the New Orleans
0: Saints. I, man, for, for a lot of those downs, man, I, I was, you know, at home begging begging Snow to bring a blitz up the middle because Drew Brees, to, in my opinion, man, was way too comfortable, especially in that first half. He started the game, correct me if I'm wrong, something like eight for eight, nine for nine, something like that. Way too comfortable. And the one time we did, Alvin Kamara, the last guy on the field that should be ignored <laughs> is basically ignoring you throw a screen pass to him, and then they convert on the third and 13 man. So it's just like, to your point, man, it's just like the guessing game that you play on these third downs, we lost them 12 times out of 12 out of 14 times, man. And, and, and I, I don't have an answer to to that. And I, I have to give Sean Payton and Drew Brees credit, man. You know, they're, you, you know, they're offensive gurus. I hate saying that because I hate the saints, but at the same time, we have got to be better, man. Um, besides Brian Burns, is there a concern on this defensive line? Because I feel like we didn't get a lot of pressure outside of Brian Burns today.
1: We, we talked about this in the previous weeks as well. Uh, and they posted a stat during the game how the Panthers, through the first four games of the season, were almost like dead last in pressures. And through the last few weeks, they were fourth in pressures. So there's clearly some improvement there, but we don't we cannot reliably pressure the quarterback, or 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 rather get enough pressure on the quarterback to matter. Um, I mean, it, I understand, it's Drew Brees. It, it, it's hard to get pressure on Drew Brees. That's Saints offensive line. Drew Brees is going to he's going to make the correct decision. Ninety percent of the time is going to get the ball out before you even get to him ninety percent of the time. It would right. be nice though to have somebody on the other side or or that you know, someone that could push the middle. Derrick Brown's a rookie, so and I think he's playing well, but with K on short gone now every and they, and, and
0: they and look, and not to mention, Derrick Brown had a hell of a matchup against Andres Pete. Let's be yeah. clear about that, man. So, I, I mean, you know, you don't expect yeah. to get the best of him every week,
1: man. I feel like that teams can just match up one-on-one with our guys. And if you've got a guy that can keep up with Brian Burns' speed, I love Brian Burns. Uh, I'm a fan of his, and I, I see the improvement. But the thing is, is, if you can neutralize his speed, then you've taken him out of the game. Right. And you know, he made a a huge play for us today. He's made big plays every week, but besides him, if I'm an offensive coordinator, the Panthers' D-line is not a concern to me at all.
0: Right, right. All right, man, we've talked about the defense a lot, man. I want to shift the conversation a little bit to the offense. You know, like I said, man, Teddy Bridgewood had a really good game, man. Um, I thought he took advantage of what's those, what's really a poor secondary by the Saints, man. I, and I don't want to act like I'm taking like I'm taking away credit from Teddy Bridgewater, but we have to be fair as well. The Saints' secondary is not good, and and he, and, he, and I think he did uh, what he's supposed to do. But I have a stat I want to throw it at you, man. And I don't know if there's really uh, you, you. You can kind of attempt to explain what may have happened today, man. Mike Davis, seven carries, twelve yards, uh, a long run of seven yards. What do you think happened there today?
1: I'm more concerned with the seven carries than the 12 yards. The Panthers total had only 14 rushing attempts against 28 pass attempts. And I get that we were kind of playing behind for a lot of the game. Uh, But clearly, to, to put that into perspective, the Saints had 29 rushing attempts on 37 passing attempts.
0: Right. So we, we were losing. Now, time and and I, literally, I was going to say, man, I didn't mean to cut you off, man, but that, but, but that's a, the that's a thing because they dominated time of possession. I mean, look at how many more total plays they had compared to us, man. And their drives all game, you know, you said this before, man, they were methodical. Drives down the field. They didn't. They didn't hit a lot of big plays today. You know what I mean. It was just methodical, seventy-five yard plays all game, man. But back, back to us in the running game, man. Um, what were you sure, saying?
1: I'm not, I'm not sure if the Panthers were ever in a position to where we could run a lot. Also, I, I there. I really think that Teddy wanted to make a statement against his former team. You know, uh, they're going to come out throwing the ball and. And especially considering Bridgewater didn't have a great game last week, I think they felt like, okay, we're gonna come out, we're gonna establish this. This is our game plan. We're gonna pass against the Saints, and it 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 almost worked, uh, but just wasn't quite. You got to keep the Saints off the field. Absolutely. You, you're not really doing that. Even if you're scoring, you're just giving the Saints the ball right, right back. You, you got right. to win that time possession battle this morning.
0: Do you think the Saints made an adjustment in that fourth quarter because it, it felt like they they were not so they were not keying in on the run so much, and they kind of backed off of that a little bit. Do you kind of feel the same way?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. I felt like um, they knew that Teddy had a rhythm. The Panthers playing for him behind, even though we were only down or three points, four points, uh, they knew that, okay, the Panthers were probably going to commit to the, the pass some. Uh, and, it, you know, that's what Sean Payton and his guys do. They're, they are a good the, – the, the Saints are good because they have a great coaching staff, honestly, and um, I think they just proved that more today. Our coaching staff wasn't quite up to the challenge. I don't think Matt Rule and his guys – I, I, first of all, I actually feel like Joe Brady called a pretty good game despite us not running the ball uh, well, and we had a lot of big plays. That that touchdown pass to DJ Moore was absolutely beautiful, Yeah, uh, even though it was busted coverage by the Saints, but that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take advantage of of broken coverage and scored
0: touchdowns? Well, I have to give Teddy Bridgewater credit for that one, man, because the commentator kind of made mention of this, too. I think Ted, the reason why that coverage was so busted is because Teddy Bridgewater kind of looked off looked one off. of the uh, same secondary and that would kind of allow D.J. Moore to be so wide open. So I got to give him credit, man. Speaking of D.J. Moore, four catches, 93 yards, two touchdowns a day. And, you know, I've mentioned this in previous shows, man. I personally, and it's just made just me – just may may be a thing with me. I kind of personally noticed that DJ Moore was kind of slumping. And when I say slumping, I mean kind of like the body language just kind of wasn't there for me. Today, I kind of feel like he had a pep in his step today. And I don't know if that's just a Jamal thing or is this something anybody else notices. But I just kind of felt like you know uh the Panthers ran a play where where they where they run a sweep and he actually uh gets a touchdown off off the off the jet sweep man so it looks like if it, it felt like he was more involved today and he had a little more oomph today. Do you kind of feel the same way or am I tripping? <laughs> no, nope,
1: no. I I think also as as the weeks go on and the chemistry of the team gels especially that wide receiver core a, a friend of our mutual friend of ours texted me during the game and talked about essentially uh you know, hey, y'all still not sold on Bridgewater. And I won't get into the details of that conversation, but during that conversation, I said,
0: well. I, I'm sure, I, if, if it's who I think it is, it's, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that conversation was slanted, yeah. but go ahead.
1: So I said that, <laughs> well, I felt like Teddy this year has a much better wide receiver core than our previous quarterback ever had. Right. Um, and I think those guys are finally starting to gel. I think Robbie Anderson Curtis Curtis Samuel had a great game today. That third down stat was absolutely mind-blowing. And yeah. I, I just think that, you know, the, the team chemistry is starting to improve. And I, I think that, that makes a, a pretty big difference. Plus, Teddy is very uh, generous to his wideouts, unlike – Cam, who really was a tight end guy, he, he came, well, Cam was going to go to whoever was open and, and reliable. And right. that happened to be Greg Olson and Christian McCaffrey. So, um, whereas Teddy, you know, Teddy throws his wideouts. So, um, yeah, I, I think we definitely saw a little bit more from, from DJ Moore today. I was glad. I, I even thought, I was like, well, we don't have to talk shit about those guys on the show today. We can't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, right.
1: DJ and Curtis uh, this week.
0: Um, one one thing, one thing that kind of concerns me, uh, you know, with the Saints. Um, I, I looked at some of these statistics and I look at these guys: Marquez Callaway, Trey Smith, Deontay Harris. Ooh. Right. Right. Ex- that's my point. Marquez Callaway, eight catches, seventy-five yards. Trey Smith, four catches, fifty-four yards. Deontay Harris, four catches, forty-six yards. To be fair, to be fair. Rasul Douglas is out today. Uh, we have some, you know, some injuries in the secondary. Justin Burris is out, so we lean heavily on Troy Pride. You know who who was the who was you know the second corner today. Um, God, I forget I forget his name in the slot. Corn Elder was depending on a lot today. Um, I know this is a no excuse league. But I. I, I I'm trying my best to try to reason here. <laughs> Did we miss those guys today being that guys like Marquez Calloway and Trey Kwan Smith had pretty decent days against us today. Did that matter today?
1: I, I don't think so. This is the saints. The, and I, I thought about this. I was just, just thinking about this during the course of the game about, you know, the Panthers literally have been the most uh, inconsistent team from season to season since their inception. And no one seems to know why. There's no rhyme or reason. I think one of the reasons why is the Panthers never have a whole, whole lot of depth from season to season. We're always top heavy on talent when we're good. But that next man up, it never applies to the Panthers. It it just right. never does. We never, whereas the Saints, they're good because they got guys who can just come in and fit into the system and perform well. Same with the New England Patriots. They, they have a system and they say, okay, we want guys that are going to fit into our system. I can slot a guy in and it might not be you know, the, the exact same level of performance, but it's going to be just enough so we can execute <laughs> our game plan and play our style of play. And I think that's what we saw today. from the same.
0: I want to answer uh, Ken Duncombs, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, my man, but he is asking, where are our linebackers at? I, well, I'll say this. Shaq Thompson had 13 total tackles a day, tackles a day. Uh, seven solo tackles a day. Look, we, we, we don't say much about Shaq Thompson on the show. He, you know, he he's done his thing. However, there's here's something I noticed. Adarius Taylor is getting more and more defensive snaps every week, and we're starting to see less and less of Tahir Whitehead. I, this is probably a layup question, Kaiser, but I'm going to ask yeah. it anyway. Should we just go no ahead and no start a no Darius Taylor, man?
1: No coincidences in the NFL. We've been talking about Whitehead every week. There's, uh, no, the, the coaching staff, if we see it, we know the coaching staff sees it. And if there's one you know, there's actually a lot of positives I can say about Matt Rule and his staff, but I think they do learn from week to week. They they are really taking this first season in the NFL as a learning experience. Even though I know like Joe Brady has some NFL experience, but particularly Matt Rule, um, and I think they they look at the tape and they look at the stats and they say this guy he's not cutting it. Linebacker is a weak is is a weak spot. And performance wise, I feel like okay, Shaq Thompson. He did a good job this week. He actually played fairly well last week. But the impact's not there. Right. You're like your linebacker position is more of a – should be more of an impact position than a statistical position. You need guys that are – To make plays. Plays, yes. Yes, and absolutely. We have not seen that from anyone except Jeremy Chen, who's a safety. So
0: – No, could, no. Who, who's a safety. Safety, right. Yeah. Yeah. right. <laughs> right. Right. So uh,
1: and even you know even he was second in the team in tackles today. I feel like the Saints actually kind of game planned him out of uh, and that's hey that's a testament to how well he's playing. Yeah, no you doubt. Really hear his name called a lot today, but that's what you want. You want a linebacker whose name you're going to hear. I mean, I, I hate to bring up Luke Keekley because he's a future Hall of Famer, but every play, Luke Keekley on the tackle. Oh, look at Luke Kuechly run all the way across the side. Look at it. And I'm not saying. Shaq Thompson or those guys have to be Luke Keekley or even Thomas Davis. But I'd like to hear your name.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, No, but but like you said, man, I mean, you know, there's this there's the statistical impact. But then there's the playmaking impact. And guys like the Luke Keekly's and the Thomas Davis's, we were we've been spoiled for uh, almost a decade with those guys making plays. And we and again, we're not getting that a lot. And like you said, man. I mean, when when we got teams game planning kind of against your best defensive player, arguably, we can argue about that later. You know, other guys got to step up and do it, man. Like right now, Brian Burns is like, I, I won't say right now, this particular game, Brian Burns was the only guy to really make impact plays yeah. today, mm-hmm. and and you and you need more out of out of your defense, man. And it's just and especially when you give it up 12 or 14 on third down.
1: <laughs> I'd really like to see the Panthers look heavily at the linebacker position, linebacker position in the draft. I know the draft is a long ways off and yeah. a lot can happen before then, but the Panthers, if there, if there's one thing, you know, a lot of people say, well, the Panthers don't have never had an, had an identity. I, I disagree with that. Our identity has always been good defense, run the ball well, but I feel like, Uh, And Chris Rogers about to make my point. We've always had solid linebackers always from literally from the, the first game in the league. If you look at the list of linebackers that have played for the Carolina Panthers, it's a pretty good list with some hall of famers on there. Absolutely. We've got nobody right now that you can say, "Hmm, man, that guy could be a hall of famer or, or all pro even. Um, And I hate to say that because I kind of thought Shaq Thompson might be that guy, but you got, as a linebacker in the league, you got to make the impact plays. All
0: right. So we're going to move on to next week, man. We have the, 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 our, I guess I can say this again. We have the rival Atlanta Falcons (laughs) coming to town Thursday, man. Give me your predictions, man. What do you think, man? Do we, do we pull this one off? uh, What what you got, Kaza?
1: Uh, I think we finally get our first blowout of the season, and
0: that's a bold statement, know, man.
1: And I know Falcons fans are going to come at my throat for this, but <laughs> the Fal- you you have to beat the Falcons. They're they're in complete disarray. They have no GM. They're on an interim head coach. They just blew another lead today to the Detroit Lions. (laughs) If if you are an Atlanta Falcon player, you are playing for really more for your personal pride and individual accolades at this point. You cannot lose. If you're the Panthers, you cannot lose to a team like that. If you're the Jets, yeah, sure, whatever. But the Panthers are trying to rebuild a new culture here. You, You got a divisional rival that's dead in the water. You got to win that game.
0: You got to uh, win the game.
1: You and you can't just win it. You have to make a statement for that in that kind of game. I feel like Matt Rule's going to have his guys ready to play. We might have Christian McCaffrey back. Um you got you got to stomp on Atlanta's neck. Anything less to, to me is is inconsequential. Inconse- it, it would be point. If you go win, if you go and you beat the Falcons by one point, that's to me that's worse because then you're like the Falcons. They don't even have a coach, you can only beat them one, one by one point. You got to go in there, and so so my prediction. I think the Panthers win thirty-seven.
0: All right, man. I am, I'm not as confident as you are. I'm going to reluctantly pick the Panthers to win. And I'd say it's going to be another high scoring affair. I'd say we win 30 to 28. Um, one major concern of mine is that man is back for Atlanta and our secondary who struggled mightily against guys I've never heard of before has to deal with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley next week. Now, who's to say that we don't make adjustments next week? Um I you know, you, you say that we don't have an identity, but it seems like our, our identity against past happy teams are bending and not breaking. Yeah. I don't I don't see why we change anything next week, which I think we should, but we probably won't. Um, but that's why I reluctantly picked him, because I reluctantly picked him for the same reasons that you are saying we gotta beat him. That team is in disarray. They're playing with the interim coach, they're one and six. Those veteran guys, they pretty much That's know hard. the season is over. The room
1: of them is, is lost. They, I, they, they're, they're I agree with
0: that. I agree with that. Uh, so unless the Falcons come here and show uh, uh ounce of pride next week, man, I'll still pick us to win. But I'm, I'm just a little I mean, slightly less confident I than I you
1: feel like the, bet, the Panthers are the better team regardless. We might not have – I would even say across the board we might have better offensive talent outside of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Um, so, you know, the Panthers sh- should win that game. They're going to be favored slightly. We should win that game. I think a loss is a huge step back for the Panthers. If they, I if agree. We they, they lose to the Falcons next week on third on Thursday night football. This So this is national TV. Everyone's going to see this. This is a good chance for Matt Rule to make his stamp Read on the NFL. Um, on a nationally televised game, you 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 have you got to treat this like it's a playoff game, even if it's not. You have to treat it that way because if you do, then the results are going to be very very favorable. All
0: right, real quick, man, offensive of MVP for today, who you got?
1: Mm. Curtis Samuel. I know DJ Moore was you could you could say Teddy Bridgewater or DJ Moore, but Samuel made some key third downs. Uh, he had a, a rushing touchdown. He's being used all over the place, kind of like as a McCaffrey light. Um, you know, I, this this was a big game for him. I, I think.
0: All right, I'm going to go to obvious choice because I, i'm i'm starting to be i'm starting to be tagged as a Teddy Bridgewater hater. So just to prove that I'm not, I'm going to give him offensive MVP today. Um, I, I will say this, man: as as far as his game manager tag that he's kind of been, you know, he's been tagged. I can't say I saw that today, man. He even threw deep balls today. So yeah. the, whole, the, the whole game manager thing puts egg on our faces today. It man. Right?
1: Except I'll, I'll say this, though. The reason uh, game managers are players who they won't lose the game for you, but they won't win it. And Teddy Bridgewater did not win this game for us. He played well, but when it came down to it in crunch time, we were playing for a field goal.
0: Yeah, uh, right.
1: And and, right. That, and that, that's that's the difference. Now the thing is, is uh, you know, we, we said this before on the show, Teddy Bridgewater might just be a to QB. He's a I mean he's a quality NFL starter, but I, I really think the Panthers have gone all in on Teddy Bridgewater. And you believe so? I don't yeah, I don't think you offer a guy you know twenty million dollars a year for three years with the idea that You'll just dump him off on the next best thing. I think I think Joe Brady likes Teddy Bridgewater. I think Matt Rule likes Teddy Bridgewater. And I think the idea is to build a strong defense, which you get Teddy Bridgewater like the defense that Cam had, you know, back in 2013 or 2016.
0: Along with these same weapons Teddy Bridgewater has now.
1: With with a better wide receiver core. And right, McCaffrey. I think that you know Teddy Bridgewater would be your guy in that case I don't think you got anything to worry about. But now, as as the team stands, if you have to count on Teddy Bridgewater to match with Drew Brees, which statistically he did, but where it counted on the scoreboard, he did not. Right, Drew Brees is throwing touchdowns while we're throwing screen passes. <laughs> to
0: right,
1: so there's your difference then.
0: Real quick before I go to defensive MVP, I want to I want to talk to Ken's uh, point real quick, man. And this is something else I've said on the previous show, man. Screen passes work when you have the right personnel to execute them. And I've always said that, you know, and and listen, I don't want to be overly critical of the offensive line because I really feel like I really feel like they've overachieved this year but we're not quite there to 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 have uh, to have this screen game cracking like we really wanted to mm-hmm. uh, even if Christian McCaffrey comes back man and it, you, you even saw examples today it works when we have Alvin Kamara in a stout offensive line it doesn't quite work with our offensive line and Curtis Samuel or whoever man so Ken, I just wanted to talk to your point real quick man yeah
1: screen passes are are um are almost like play actions they work because you catch the defense off guard. And if right. catch the defense of guard, you have to set them up first. We don't have, currently, we don't have any way to set up screen passes. Right. Uh, if we just throw screen passes out there because we <laughs> want to be like the Saints, it, it's not going to work. And uh, I agree. that I think that's a part of our game that it has to develop. We, we just can't be like, alright guys, we're going to Throw a
0: screen pass. I got one. <laughs> before, so before you before you ask, uh, we we right. got. I just I just want to ask you defensive MVP real quick. Oh, Brian Brown. Brian, 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 Burr. Brian yeah. yeah, same here. Yeah, um, Brian. and, I, and I, I'll give a quick reason, and that I'm sure you'll agree with. The only guy to make uh impact plays on defense today, so that's our defensive yeah. MVP. Uh, what was your question?
1: Uh, so somebody on uh, one of the Facebook Carolina sports groups said. Essentially, something that I think we're all thinking, um, they thought that, they said they thought the Panthers were going to win, and then they would essentially be the Hornets. You know, too good to be – To Right. And then – but not good enough to make the playoffs and it with a high draft pick. Now, I have a thought about that, but I want to hear what you think about that. And that'll be a good segue into, into the NBA.
0: I'm glad you asked that question, man. Well, there's obviously a different dynamic with the lottery system versus how the NFL draft works. Let's let's state the obvious first. You know, if the Panthers tread somewhere in the middle, I mean, is it really that consequential? Because it's not. Who's to say that uh, a a guy that will really help your franchise is not available at the 15th pick or the 18th pick or wherever? You know what I mean? Um, with football because of there being so many positions man we've seen impact players be drafted in the late first round we've seen impact players be drafted in the fourth round of the Who NFL draft the pick. right Greg Hardy you know for all of his his craziness aside he's the fourth round draft pick DJ Moore was drafted at like 22 or something like that man so in both scenarios in both the Hornet scenario and the Panther scenario I think it's overstated about draft position, man. With both teams, with both organizations, you got to just draft the right guy at whatever position you're at and don't worry about that so much. Right. Now, for the Panthers, it's a little more, nah, what's the one I'm looking for, man? It's a little more critical from a fan perspective because we let go of one of our fan favorites. A lot of us, including me, thought that if you just retool around cam newton if you just kind of you know you don't have to you didn't necessarily have to tear it all down so to speak to get better we could have went that direction we chose not to so you know fans like me are like all right you know (laughs) we're here now so you got to actually execute whatever you're you were planning on doing and it's kind of the same exact thing with the hornets Campbell Walker and the Hornets agree that bo- that they both should um, uh, separate from each other. I think it's going to work out in the long run for both both organizations, Panthers and Hornets aside. So,
1: nope, I agree with every point you just made. The NFL system and the NBA system are really too different. I, in fact, I think that in the NFL, you should always be playing to win games. It is much better to go seven and nine and have a number nine or number 10 pick. I think that it is to go three and uh, 13 and have one of the top few picks because in the NFL, really, I, I would hate to draft in the top three, mainly because if you're drafting a high, you probably need a quarterback. Mm-hmm. We've seen so many high draft pick Q- qb bust in the nfl absolutely such a crap shoot. unless the guy coming out is a guy like Trevor lawrence you really kind of have to draft him but he might end up he might end up being terrible
0: and real and real quick man to that point man how, how many teams how many nfl teams in particular have we seen draft in the top three five whatever and they reach to get that quarterback Oh, yeah. When that quarterback is not even the best talent oh, yeah. available.
1: <laughs> how many top three picks have the Browns had in the last few seasons, in which they've drafted top quarterbacks coming out of college and they haven't pan out? Mayfield uh, right. might pan out, but he's not what we all thought he was going to be coming out of college. So, I, I think for if if you're an NFL team who is seven and nine, eight and eight, maybe even six and ten, um, that means that. That might not necessarily mean you're a bad team. If the Panthers go six and ten this season, I think that's a win. Um, That's I agree. Like like if the Bucks went six and ten, well, that didn't work out, right? So, uh, yeah, those are two different situations. So it's hard for me to say. Well, yeah, the Panthers are going to be like the Hornets. So.
0: Speaking of the Hornets and the and the NBA and the drafting, uh, NBA uh, the the powers that be have stated that they are aiming to have a 72 game season uh, starting on what was it, December 22nd. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, um, I think if they can pull this off, man, that is a major win because people who actually like basketball and don't wait until watch basketball until the playoffs. This is something that is so needed, man. I would love to see the NBA start, December t- to start on December twenty second. Now, this does mean, you know, that they have to kind of rush free agency a bit because of the timing between the NBA draft and the start of the season. So, with that being said, is this possible for them to pull it off? Yes, I think they will. Uh, the only let, let me hold on. Let me let me re ask that question. Is it logistically possible for the NBA to pull this off?
1: I mean, I think they can. The the NBA, like, so the bubble was, for the most part, it was a success. It was compared to what we're seeing, like, in the NFL now, where it seems like every other player has COVID, and it's kind of messing things.
0: It's messed up the flow.
1: (laughs) It is. (laughs) Take a guy like Cam Newton, who was playing lights out, Gets COVID 19, misses two weeks of practice, comes back, loses, and now the media is like, well, we're not sold on Cam Newton. Well, the, the dude just had the damn plague. <laughs> right. uh, well, right. we saw, these, we saw <laughs> players this week miss practices because it's so it, the, 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 the bubble in the NBA in which no player tested positive in the bubble um, worked. So I think the NFL or the NBA feels confident they can make this work. My only thing is that the apparently they will be cutting out All-Star weekend in order to accommodate the 72 game schedule. And part of that is because of the Olympics next next year. They want to, you know, they don't want players to be too tired to participate in the, the Olympics. And to that I say, in my opinion, as a sports fan, I would rather see, the NBA All-Star Weekend, rather than see NBA players compete in Olympics and basketball, I, given the choice. And I know a lot of right. people disagree with me, but the NBA All-Star Weekend is a tradition. That goes all the way back to before the merger. The, actually, right. it was the ABA that started that, and the NBA, after the merger, kind of took on that tradition. I don't want to
0: I'm going to throw you a curveball. And I acknowledge that this might be some sort of this might be a crazy question a little bit. Do you feel like the NBA may, may have been aiming to play the Olympics because of the social climate in America, so to speak? Could that could you, could you see that as a possibility?
1: Oh, yeah. So the NBA, we've said this on this show. The NBA may appear to be the most progressive of all the professional major professional sports leagues. That doesn't mean they're any less political. The NBA is all about politics. We've seen what happened with the the situation with China. Any any opportunity the NBA has to raise its international profile, they are not going to miss. The Olympics are very important to the NBA. Essentially, you get a chance to take your best players and showcase them against the world's best players, and we're probably going to win. And you're going to rake up all this international money. And the only sacrifice is 10 games out of the regular season and an all-star break. I don't personally, I, do, I don't like that compromise. I I want to see the three-point contest. I want to see the slam dunk contest. I want to see the all-star game. I know a lot of people right. have been down on the all-star game, but we had an exciting all-star game. Um uh, in 2020, we had an exciting rising envy or rising stars challenge that the Charlotte Hornets came and hell, yeah, hell, awesome. I haven't. Have so, I, I don't want to see that, that go away just so I can watch LeBron and his friends, you know, beat, beat Australia by 42 points. I, I don't, I don't want to see it. that's my only caveat about, about this thing if they can find a way to keep the all star weekend. But but I get it. They don't want the players. Um, they have the players' health to this center. now. Vince said Olympics better than All Star Weekend. Um,
0: now let, let me let me let me tackle this real quick. The Olympics as a whole, yes, yes. yes. Uh, Olympic basketball. Uh, I, I I'm kind of leaning toward the entertainment value of of All Star Weekend been a little more than Olympic basketball. And I know, you know, the, the world uh, is, is is catching up to us as far as like Olympic competition. The games are a little tighter, but at the same time, it's predictable. We we know who's going who's gonna to win the gold medal. It's, yeah, it's going
1: gonna- Anybody cares about Olympic basketball is when the United States are, are bad. Like, right. right. and and the thing is, the United States, we have skipped international play
0: before. Hey, oh. I want to, I want really, to, I want to get on Vince real quick. Yeah, yeah, Let <laughs> really me get on Vince real quick. Vince, know Vince, you know you, my boy. How are you not going to be on the show? But you giving us trouble in the chat room, man. Come on, because <laughs> I, because I really want you to explain to me what do you, th- what do you mean by the the All Star Weekend is too friendly for you? I, I,
1: I agree with him on that point, but last season I think did away with that. The, the Changing the format of the all-star game made it really competitive, especially in the fourth quarter. It was one of the better all-star games that we saw because, especially in today's NBA, where analytically, you should either lay the ball up or shoot a three-pointer.
0: Or dunk
1: it or shoot a three-pointer. So that's the all-star game was essentially that. It was a bunch of alley oops. (laughs) a bunch of threes, and it kind of made it, it kind of boring. Like, because I was playing defense anyway, but that, mm-hmm. that a little last season. And it's just that, for me, Olympic basketball is uh, – I'll tell you my happy birthday.
0: Happy uh, birthday, Miss Miss Dunlap. Sorry about that.
1: Well, so, uh, <laughs> I feel like um, – yeah, I, I, I understand what the NBA is trying to do, especially with a truncated offseason, although – There was a huge break between the end of the regular season and the bubble. So I understand what the NBA is trying to do. They're trying to balance everything out for players' health. I think they can pull it off. I just don't like to see the All-Star Weekend go away.
0: Uh, I, I think I'm. I think I'm with you. I I look when the, when the All Star game was here in Charlotte, man. That was like the best thing oh, to man. ever, almost the best thing that ever happened to this city, man. I mean, every I, I not only do I like the game itself, I actually enjoy all the hype around it. I really do. I like the performances. I like uh, uh, Shaq and Charles and and Kevin Hart joking with each other. Like I I love all the fanfare around all-star weekend and and, and that is going to be missed, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. So with that being said, we better win the gold medal this year. You better win win this year.
1: I'll say this. I think the the roster should be more star studded than it normally is. The the way they've done the Olympic rosters uh, over the past two decades has essentially been top heavy and then role players on the bench. Yeah. Because it, because they feel like you know international basketball has gotten so competitive, they've essentially almost caught up to the NBA that, OK, now you, you need better, a better team structure than just mm. have a bunch of good players. But yes. I feel like if you're going to skip the all star game this year, you better have LeBron and AD and Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry. You need to have you need to have everybody playing in the Olympics.
0: Yeah, I, look, I don't, I don't want to see Kentavious Caldwell Pope and Danny Green on the bench, man. Like, I want I want the stars of right. uh, stars. You know what I mean?
1: I want the dream team part four, whatever we want. <laughs> yeah. I want, yeah. <laughs> Steph, Steph probably need a gold medal too, right? He
0: don't <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, Steph, it, it, never mind. I ain't going to say Steph that. Steph ain't watching watching <laughs> Go get you a gold medal, man. Represents Charlotte that way, man. Um, I want to ask you a quick question, man. And you you know we're gonna come back to this at a later date, but this is just something on my mind today, man. And and again, we're gonna have plenty of time to discuss this in for in in future shows. So Michael Jordan and and Brass were in Atlanta this weekend, checking out Anthony Edwards. Does that signify to you that that is the pick?
1: Yeah. <laughs> what <Now laughs> we know about Jordan and the Hornets. I, yeah. Okay, so so here's why I think that's the pick. What does Anthony Edwards do? Score. He scores. He scores. Yes. Carter Jordan loves scores. Scores. Michael Jordan is the greatest scorer of all time in in any metric he probably looks at Anthony Edwards and say, yep, yeah, that's our guy, because he's going to be able to score in the NBA, which he will. He will be able to, to come into the NBA and score. That would not be my pick. Um, I'm still on the LaMelo ball train. I feel like if you're going to upset the guard small forward rotation, <laughs> LaMelo is better for that because his game is, is – uh, more uh, well rounded, I
0: guess. Two points I want to make to that. <clears throat> so, according to Hornets insider Rick Bennell, Mitch Cupcheck is not too concerned with roster structure right now. So, if we end up with four centers, five shooting guards, 13 power fours, it does not matter to Mitch Cupcheck right now. He's going to pick the best available player, the best, best player available. Now, here's why I think Anthony Edwards is the pick. I've said this, and I'll keep on saying it. I think the Minnesota Timberwolves would be absolutely crazy to not pick Lamelo Ball. Oh, I think it would oh, just be insane for them to not pick that to to not make that pick. The Golden State Warriors, I think we even, we may even see them shop that pick because do they even need a draft pick at at that at their stage? And
1: I mean, they have a legitimate shot at Giannis,
0: right? Right, so what do they care about some rookie, some guy, some who who cares? You know what I mean. So with that being said, man, they're they're rumored to to have to select James Wiseman and shop him or keep him. So with that being said, that leaves us Anthony Edwards anyway. So, but again, man, we'll, well see.
1: I, I think uh, I think they're Jordan, Mitch, Jay, JB, J B. They're looking at the likelihoods right and right now. All the mock drafts have. Wiseman and LaMelo gone.
0: One and two. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that leaves us um, either Edwards or the kid from Europe, which I I don't see the Hornets making a serious push for that. When you've got a talent like Anthony Edwards, a guy who you can score. And if the one thing the Hornets need, then they need a lot of things, but consistent scoring is one of those Mm -hmm. things. We really can't rely on Devontae Graham having to shoot the lights out every single night. Right. Uh, need to score. As far as roster structure, I, I, my only concern is: what do you do about the guard situation, Edwards?
0: Was, you you beat yeah. me to it, but we'll go ahead, yeah.
1: You know, Edwards would probably be better suited to play a two guard in the NBA. So where does that leave Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham? One of those, and, or
0: Malik Monk? Where does that and leave Malik, him as not, well? I I, know. Right.
1: Oh, I ain't concerned about you. <laughs> Malik Monk. Still has to play his way back into the good graces of the fans and the team after everything that he's done to lose that position. He was given right. opportunities. So, but it does beg another question. Now you have a bunch of guards who can score. Who gets the minutes? Somebody's going to have to be regulated to the bench that was previously a starter, either Devonte Graham or Terry Rozier. And I think if you're either one of the, those players it, it would feel like a burn for a rookie to come in
0: and usurp you.
1: Because, yeah, right. And I feel but, like,
0: but I think we both agree on this. There's nobody on this roster that 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 commands that nobody. their that their place on this team is entrenched. Not like, single, not a single player.
1: Nobody. <laughs> nobody.
0: So, nobody.
1: Um, I feel like, yeah, yeah. Anthony Edwards comes in and it's like, oh, man, this kid is the real deal. Then, hey, somebody got to go to the – someone's got to be a pro. Sometimes being a pro is doing things.
0: Accepting your role.
1: Exactly. So, uh, plus, and I I feel like Rozier still has, I feel like he has a lot to prove, and he can be shocked. I'd rather shock him than Devontae Graham just because of the age difference, and I I feel like Graham, you know, has potential that we haven't seen yet. So, I think a lot of fans like the Wiseman pick because he's he's pretty plug and play.
0: Yeah, no doubt. The Hornets
1: have a need for a big man. You got the best big man in the draft. You stick him right in. And that's a pretty good starting lineup.
0: And and that is the seg that is a sick seg- that is the segue for my next question, because we we run out of time. We're about to wrap it up. So uh Hernan Gomez, Bismack biombo they are both uh free agents this season. Theoretically you need three centers on the roster. Which one which one which one is going? If, if you're if you're Kaiser check which one of those guys are you trying to keep?
1: Uh, Willie, we've Willie. seen, we've seen flashes from, from Hernan Gomez. Um, uh, he did make the all rookie team, uh, all rookie second team. There's something there with him. It's just that he has a few de- deficiencies. Like his feet are made of concrete or whatever <laughs> that want to keep him from moving to that next level. But I feel like you can train those, those things out. We've seen beyond peak.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's not getting any better or worse at this point.
1: Exactly. He, he makes a ton of cash mainly because he lost overpaid him. Yeah. It's like, like, That's
0: why he makes a ton ooh, of cash.
1: He got you $20 million a year. So <laughs> I think you've got to find a way to, to well, I mean, they'll probably just let the contract fall off at the end of the season. But if you can keep Willie, I think he's a good backup center. And if you needed him to start, you could possibly fill that role. Zeller is not getting any older, and he's got an injury history. I, I, I think you find a way to keep Ernie Gomez on the roster while picking up a serviceable starting big man maybe in free agency.
0: All right. Well, look, man, we we, we actually made something out of the show without one of our, our guys here today, man. So Probably we have reached – The Jets
1: yeah. living it up, man. It's yeah, like- man. Yeah, man. Looking at his that- face- Instagram,
0: like oh, hold up, bro. <laughs> we we hope Rodney's somewhere watching sipping on mojitos on the beach somewhere, which he probably is. But anyway, man, Taza shout outs, shout at what you got?
1: Uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to the greatest Formula One driver in history, Lewis Hamilton. Today did it,
0: he did it again today.
1: 92 wins. That's that's an incredible feat, and in people people hate him for a lot of different reasons. But you can never take that away from him. 92 wins, a record that probably won't be broken ever. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's just just dominance. So to see uh, you know, especially in, in Formula One and a sport that just I'll just say there ain't no black people on F1. <laughs> there just are. So that to have one of <laughs> the greatest drivers in history, maybe the greatest driver in history, because he's gonna win his seventh world championship unless he just falls off the planet um you know to to be a person of color is is a wonderful wonderful thing so shout out to him and mercedes amg No doubt. all right um
0: i i would i would like to give myself credit for running a live stream on our facebook page today but actually i just messed up something so with that being said i want to shout out everybody who was in the comment section today um, including my aunt Linda. I'm not sure if you're still here or not, but if you are, hey, auntie. Um, also, man, shout out to Rodney and his lovely wife for their ten. I, I I don't know what year it is. I'm sorry, but shout out to y'all for your anniversary. Uh, shout out to Vince for joining us today in the chat room, man. Uh, shout out to everyone who keeps supporting us. Uh, shout out to Duck and SWAT on their ten year anniversary. Um, shout out to a great World Series game last night, man. I am so glad I stayed up to watch that. That was incredible. I'll try to stay up to watch this one tonight, man. But, again, shout out to everybody who keeps supporting Under Construction, man. We will see y'all again next week. Hopefully, me and Kaiser are both right, and we can sweep these dirty Atlanta Falcons. I am sick and tired of losing to the New Orleans Saints, and hopefully I am happy next wow. week, man.
1: If we lose, Danny be like, hey, man, can I come on the show? Hey, they, right,
0: right, right. Danny Thompson is going to magically appear on the show if they win next week. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank y'all for watching, man. We'll see y'all next week, man. Peace out, y'all. Peace.